0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making theology central.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. It is Saturday, April the 30th, 2022. It is currently 1.38 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live two stories above a street right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, currently outside I think it's around 70-something degrees, maybe close to 80 degrees. It's a nice sunny day. I don't even think there's a cloud in the sky. It's kind of one of those just beautiful days. And two stories below me, of course, there's a street right here in Abilene, Texas. I live in a residential area. Skyline Estates is where I live. And somewhere close by, I don't know how many houses down, someone is obviously practicing... (laughs) Uh, I don't, some type of horn. I can't quite, it doesn't sound like a saxophone. Maybe it's a French horn. Maybe it's a trumpet. I bet you it's a trumpet. Okay. There's someone's practicing. So I keep hearing the sounds and I, I don't think you can pick it up on the microphone, but just to kind of give you the image, there's not a cloud in the sky, a gentle breeze, birds are singing again it's it's not really hot outside and someone is sitting on their porch in our residential area practicing i think on their trumpet and now more that i'm listening yeah that's a trumpet i i i think that's i'm almost positive now i, I don't know how many houses down but but there there that sets the scene that's what's going on outside behind me here inside i'm stalling because I really don't know how well, to give you a proper introduction. So I'm trying to paint the, the picture because I really don't have a proper introduction. And here's the reason why. Now, I know in podcasting, what I'm supposed to do is say, welcome, everyone, and then give you a, a, a powerful introduction that hooks you. I'm, tr- I'm supposed to throw out that tease to say, listen. You know, you want to keep listening because here's what we're going to be talking about. And it's going to be powerful. It's going to be explosive. You're not going to want to miss a second. And I'm supposed to throw out something that's going to hook you. And I don't have that right now. And the reason I don't have the hook is because I don't even really know what we're getting ready to hear. I'm just as much in the dark as you are. Maybe that's the hook. One of the things I love to do <laughs> for this podcast is I love sometimes to uh, to to be very impromptu. I don't like it all planned out and edited and produced. I like it to be very real, especially when I'm getting ready to listen to something. When I do a sermon review or we're going to listen to some audio, I like to be as much in the dark as you so that we, in a sense, it gives us the feeling that like you just You just come walking down the street. You walked in, you came up here and you're like, what are you getting ready to listen to? I'm getting ready to listen to this. Well, can I sit down? And then we sit down and listen to it together and talk about it. So we're gonna listen to something together. I have, now I do have a description here, but I'm trying not to read it because I really wanna be in the dark and we're just gonna see what happens. I don't know if this is gonna be beneficial. I don't know if it's gonna be helpful. I am somewhat intrigued because the podcast, the long game, now, stop right there. That's already that's already intriguing because there are a number of podcasts with that title, The Long Game. I don't know why there's so many different podcasts called The Long Game because you think that if if you if you're getting ready to name your podcast The Long Game, you're like there are other podcasts named The Long Game and you think at some at some point that would be majorly problematic. But it's called The Long Game. It is produced by Yahoo News. Yahoo News the long game. Now, there was a an episode of that podcast that was talked about in a news article. That's the one I wanted to find and talk about, but I could not find that episode. It's not available yet. I don't know what's going on. But when I was looking for it, I stumbled upon another one entitled, are you ready for this? The way Christians read the Bible has big implications. And I'm like, oh, now that has my attention. So Yahoo News, Yahoo News wants to talk about the fact that there are certain ways, well, that the way Christians read the Bible, it has big implications. Big implications to what? How do, how are we to read the Bible? Right? Is there? Is there? Are, are they implying that Christians read the Bible differently than other people? Therefore, it has negative implications. Is that the way they're going? Is, is Yahoo News about to tell us as Christians, "Hey, this is the way you're supposed to read the Bible"? Now, I constantly have criticism for the church, and my, in my view, not really teaching people how to read and how to study the Bible. I will always offer that criticism. But I'm somewhat taken back a little bit when I will see a podcast produced by clearly, a not, not a Christian ministry, but by Yahoo News. And they're implying, hey, the way, you know, those Christians over there, this is the way I read it. Hey, those Christians over there, the way they read the Bible, it has some big implications. And it implies to me, or at least I feel that they are implying that those implications are not good. So how should we read the Bible? What 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 are they going to say? I have no idea. Are you ready to find out on this Saturday afternoon? Are you ready? I don't know. Hopefully it's a relaxing Saturday afternoon where you where you are. Hope, hopefully the 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 weather is great for you or whenever you hear this. But I I'm curious. So I thought I would just I saw it and I, and I was like, you know, I was downstairs. I'm like, I'm just going to listen to this. I'm like, wait, why why listen to it in my study alone? when I can go live on the air and listen to it with people around the world and we' we'll, when we're done we may go well that was a waste of time <laughs> okay so I know that and what a great what a great introduction to a podcast hey by the time this is over you may feel like it was an absolute <laughs> waste of time but please keep listening but I'm just going to be honest with you I have no idea okay okay good someone's doing laundry and they're listening okay so may, may, maybe, Maybe this will make the time go by faster while they're doing the laundry. I really don't know what to expect. I want to read this, but I, I can't. I can't. I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to read it. So the way Christians read the Bible has big implications. I think we can all agree that the way you read the Bible does have big implications. Let's, let's look at it more from a, a hermeneutical perspective. If you read the Bible allegorical, that has major implications. If you read the Bible in a more literal way, that has big implications, right? I, I think I think we can I think we can agree on that. So there there's like at least a level I can agree that the way you read, the way you read anything has big implications. But I just feel that they're going to say, hey, there's Christians who read the Bible this way, and that's negative. I, I have a feeling, but maybe I am completely wrong. We're about to find out together. So here we go. Again, the name of the podcast, The Long Game, Yahoo News. And when I was trying to find the podcast, I couldn't find it like on so many different podcast platforms. I kept finding other podcasts called The Long Game. I'm like, that's not it. That's not it. We're probably going to return to this podcast when I can find the one that I would the the episode I was actually looking for, because once again, it had something to do with Christianity. So it's, it's kind of interesting. That the long game by Yahoo News. It appears that they have done maybe a number of episodes related to Christianity, the Church, and theology. So I I like to know what the people are saying. So let's just jump in. I I really don't have any other way to entice you to keep listening other than let, let's say let's let's listen and we'll see. Let's we're gonna find out together. So are you ready? Here we go. Thinking cab sign. The long game. Yahoo News. The title of this episode is the way Christians read the Bible has big implications here we go welcome back to the long game I'm John
2: Ward the long drought between episodes uh, on this show continues and that's something I think we're just gonna have to be okay with for now it's been a weird year in a lot of ways and I'm still trying to figure out the function of this podcast in the new world that we live in now uh, where facts and truth are increasingly optional for many people in fact I've been thinking a lot lately about how 20.
1: Oh, no, wait a minute. That was some good stuff right there. Okay. So there's big droughts between episodes. They're trying to figure out kind of what, like, what am I trying to accomplish with this podcast? And you know what? Anyone who's ever done podcasting, I think you're always trying to figure like, what what are you trying to do? What, what are you trying to accomplish? And I, I, I'm always constantly, you know, trying to make sure I can figure that out. But I love that. Let's back that up really quick. Because he talks about the the crazy world we live in, the crazy world we live in. I'm going to go back. Let's listen to that again. All right, here we go. I'm going to go back even a little further. Here we go. Here we go.
2: Continues, and that's something I think we're just going to have to be okay with for now. It's been a weird year in a lot of ways, and I'm still trying to figure out the function of this podcast in the new world that we live in now, <clears throat> uh, where facts and truth
1: are increasingly optional for me. Where facts and truth is increasingly optional for many. We live in a world where facts and truth are increasingly optional for many people. Now, this is coming from Yahoo News, which I find somewhat... It doesn't be, appear to be coming from a Christian ministry, but it's true. We live in a world where facts and truth is increasingly optional. And I will go so far to say, not only for those outside of the church, for those inside of the church. During the whole COVID situation, a lot of other situations, many Christians turned to conspiracy theories and things that were not factual, were not true, and not only believed it, shared it, defended it, and would argue if you called it into question. And when the church makes facts and truth optional in any subject, well, then the church can no longer be the voice of truth because we have been compromised just as the culture... So that's so. This is interesting that they seem to acknowledge this problem that facts and truth have become optional for many. Well, I think we, we're definitely in agreement there. Now, I'm getting I'm interested to see how what they what those I podcast that holds to that concept that facts and truth are becoming optional. Are they going to be very factual and truthful when it comes to well Christians and Bible reading and what the implications of that is? Let's I, I'm I'm going to be. Now I'm really fascinated to see where they're going to go. Here we go.
2: Many people. In fact, I've been thinking a lot lately about how 2021 was a year of whiplash. It was a head fake. We thought it would be a return to normal, to the way that we lived before the pandemic and before our politics went completely insane. But over the second half of this past year, I think we've seen that in many ways 2020 was the new normal. COVID is not going away and neither is reality denial. And we have to learn to live with both.
1: Reality denial. We live in a time of reality denial. Now I've, I've, I've talked about this a lot that I thought that we, we, we lived through a time of relativism, which basically said truth is not absolute and you can have your truth and my truth and everyone's good. And that, evolved into a situation where reality is denied. But here's what's changed. Before you you could have called it a war on truth and truth was no longer absolute. But the idea was you could have your truth and my truth. And I don't care what truth you have. And you don't need to care about what truth I have. And somehow we can just function with competing ideas of truth. But that changed. Now we live in a culture where no, 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 no. Here's my reality. But here's the difference. You must accept my reality. It's not like I can have my reality and you can have your reality. Now my reality now becomes mandatory for you to acknowledge and to accept and to live as if my reality is now true whether it is or isn't. It's it's a really it's it's a very important distinction and difference, but we live in a world of, of rea- I don't even want to call it reality denial. I want to I want to call it we live in a time of creating realities like every individual just creates their own reality but then that reality becomes mandatory on everyone else so we definitely live in a a new normal and it's not good and Christians are constantly trying to function and trying to figure out how we function in this new reality okay so so far we I, there's there's much here that we can agree with I'm just I don't know where this is going to go when it when it comes to the Bible where, where are they headed here we go
2: Unconventional times call for a creative response. Uh, This episode is an example of trying to think deeply about our epistemic crisis. I talk with Michael McDonald, who is part of something called the Bible Project. I'm not aware of many other institutions like this one. It's based in Seattle, and for the last couple years, uh, the Bible Project has been attempting to reorient the way that Christians in America who take the Bible seriously read and interpret their sacred text. Uh, the scriptures, and I should say, it's not just for Christians in America. It's a it's a worldwide focused project, and and Mike McDonald's work actually has a lot to do with uh you know exporting their materials beyond the English language. So why does this matter? You know, this is a originally a podcast about politics. Uh, what relevance does the Bible Project have for anyone who's not a Christian, or for politics, or for culture? I expect that question would loom especially large for someone who doesn't come from the world of conservative evangelicalism, because uh, I think it's important to know, I come from the world of evangelicalism in which the Bible functions as basically a rosetta stone for all of life. It's not simply important or sacred. uh, It's central, and it's read literally. This is the case for tens of millions of Americans.
1: Okay, now stop right here. So, interesting enough, even though this is a podcast from Yahoo News, obviously the person speaking comes from an evangelical background where he says the Bible is treated almost like a, a Rosetta Stone for life. It's read literally, and then, of course, it's very important in guiding in every aspect of life. Now, is he going to say that's the right way to read it, or is he getting ready to say that's the wrong way to read it? Like, And or is he just going to say reading it this way has implications, and here are the implications, and here's another way of reading it, and if you read it this way, here would be the implications. I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm as much in the dark as you are. Let let let's let's find out.
2: Maybe into the hundreds of millions. So the Bible Project is not seeking to displace or discard or degrade the importance of the Christian scriptures, but the founders of the project do have a critique of how modern Christians read and interpret the Bible, because they say the way this is done now is not actually faithful to the way that Christianity historically has read the scriptures. In short-
1: Whoa. Okay. So there's the, the person he's getting ready to interview the Bible project, they offer a critique and how modern Christians read the Bible. And the argument is that is not faithful the way the early church read the Bible. So they say, okay, here, we need to go back and see how did the early church read the Bible? And the assumption is they read it correctly. That seems to be the assumption. And the modern Christian reads it incorrectly. So there have been, so they're going to argue that within the church, within Christianity, there have been two and I will, we'll just reduce it to two different ways of reading the Bible: the modern way, which they seem to argue is seeming to be implying is not correct, and the older way, which was correct. I, I'm, I'm interested. Are are you interested? Now, see now 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 do we have the hook in? Now are you hooked? Okay, good. Now 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 the at least I'm hooked because I want to know. I want to know the two different ways. I want to know, so whose way is the right way? And who determines which way is the right way, right? There, there's, there's going to be a lot of questions here. Let's see where this leads. Here we go.
2: They're seeking to guide American and worldwide Christians into a high view of Scripture that respects and treasures the Bible, uh, but which also respects its form as a piece of literature that is situated in a particular context— and is inst- is intended to steer its reader toward wisdom and away from a simplistic and reductionist view uh, that is generate generally seeking easy answers and lowering the need for
1: actual faith. Okay, now that's interesting. The modern way seems to be a simplistic, reductionist way that just simplifies everything, doesn't really want to deal with difficult things, but he wants, uh, the, the Bible project wants us to get back to an older way, which has, uh, you know, a high, a high view of Scripture that seems willing to maybe ask tough questions and which may require a level of faith. Now, I, I'm completely, if you, if you listen to me at all, you know that I love asking the questions, and I believe that there are times and time, time, and time again that the Bible does not give me a simplistic answer. And to try to make it simplistic to me destroys Scripture. So I, I am all for reading it going, hey, you know what, let's be honest with the difficulty here. Let's be uh, honest with the problems here. And sometimes you are left with no answer other than just you're going to have to have faith there's going to be some level of faith that comes in because there's certain answers you're just not going to be able to find. I know that's not the way you're, you're, you're almost taught in preaching not to do that. Don't leave people with questions. Don't leave people with doubt. You're almost that that's almost viewed as not being a good pastor. And I, I completely reject that and say garbage. I'm going to be honest and say this, this, I don't understand this. This doesn't make any sense. This is difficult. This is confusing. If you just listened to the last live broadcast that we did earlier this morning on Matthew twenty four, look, we stumble. I stumbled through some of that, mispronounced uh, the name of a of a location. We stumbled through that, but we were trying to figure out. Okay, Matthew twenty four fourteen and fifteen has it been fulfilled? Not fulfilled. Trying to work. Okay, Josephus makes references. We're we're digging in. Nothing simple. But real honest questions and real honest study. So, on one hand, I sound like I can agree, but I'm still a little worried though how this is going to go. So, I, I can't commit yet, but I'm, they've got me intrigued. They've got that the modern version is reductionist, simplistic, just simple answers. And the, the, the older approach seems to be more willing to deal with the difficulties, the questions, ask the questions, and realize sometimes there are no simple answer, and you just have to rely on faith. Uh, okay, let, let, let's see where this leads. Um, this has, I think,
2: significant implications for American public life. Um, it's a long-term project. I find it fascinating. I hope you do too. So with that, I hope you have a great Christmas and a happy new year. Here's my conversation with Michael McDonald of The Bible
1: Project. Oh, so clearly this was recorded at the end of 2021, right before Christmas and right before the new year. So somewhere in December of 2021. Now we have a date. All right, that's interesting. So now they're going to interview this guy with The Bible Project. And let's find out, Have we? are you reading the Bible right? Are you reading the Bible wrong? And who gets to determine the right in the wrong way? All right, here we go. They have this long musical transition that was just going to be like a second transition. Here we go. All right, here we go. I'm talking to Mike McDonald. Uh, He's
2: with the Bible Project, and he's chief global officer of what again, Mike?
0: Global Focus. Global Focus. They don't let me draw anything, but it's basically everything kind of getting our stuff out there into different parts of the world, different languages, et cetera.
2: Got it. Yeah, I did notice on the YouTube page that there are a number of languages now, right? How, How recent is that?
0: Uh, I mean, we've been working on them probably for the last four years, but it started with just one and it's kind of, it's grown to 51 languages currently um, that we're, wow. we're working in uh, and it's, it's because it's animation um, and it's contextual. We're not just translating, we're actually localizing. So it's actually reanimation, reillustration, uh, obviously complete word changes, new voice over actors. So we actually have teams in 50 different countries around the world that are actually making this content. For their culture and context, so we really felt strongly that not just like let's not just tr- drop a subtitle on there and hope people figure it out, but we wanted to work with local artists to really to really do the work. So
2: that's astonishing. So if I go on YouTube and click on Bible Project, you know, Frances, yeah, it, it'll be a different animation on the same issue or story than. It, it will, depending English. on the
0: video. Yeah. There's a bunch of our videos because they're a little more abstract that allows for it to work in multiple languages. So they're not having to re-edit many things. Um, but the overview videos that are, you know, are, are do an overview of a book of the Bible. Those are a lot of words and a lot of drawings, and that has to com- be completely redone because it's wow. text on screen and it's all got to be. So, you know, and Arabic is is right to left instead of left to right. And so we're having to redo all of that. Um, and there are some videos and languages are, are longer in, in the spoken sense of the things. And so, you know, we our, our English video might be six minutes. But the, you know, Brazilian Portuguese one might be seven and a half. So we're having to stretch the video and make the timing work. And so no matter what, there's some level of, you know, redoing the video um, in some way, shape or form.
2: I mean, it, it strikes me that this project is really significant in a way that I think probably doesn't get noticed a lot in the day to day, maybe you know, news cycle or or whatever. I think it's something that sort of is probably percolating out there slowly, methodically as people spread the word. Uh, I don't get the impression that you're running paid ads to promote this. It's more it's mostly just spreading through sharing. Um, yeah. Yeah. For the uh, most uh, yeah. And when you mentioned, I mean, uh, before I forget, I should ask you like, how many people at this point are working uh, full time? or part-time yeah. for the Bible project.
0: Yeah, so for like US-based W-2 employees, we I think we just crossed 100 employees two weeks ago. Um, and so that's, a lot of them are in Portland, but we do have folks kind of all over the US um, that are, are working on the project. And then we have contractors and we've probably got about 350 kind of contractors around the world that are you know hired for two to three or four years depending on how long the project kind of lasts to get those videos reanimated, reillustrated. And then blogs. And I mean, we've got all the other things that each language is a little different. Spanish, we're kind of all in. We're going to do like, you know, our website and our, you know, everything that we have in English, we want to do in Spanish as a test language to see, you know, what will work. And then we'll kind of keep growing from there. But um, yeah, sorry, that answers your question. Yes, about 100 people uh, here in the US um, in a bunch of different areas inside the organization.
1: All right, so this is a big project, a very big project. Obviously, lots of people working on it. Um, if you've never looked at anything uh, dealing with the Bible Project, if you've never watched any of the videos, I would tell you I would tell you to seek them out, watch them, take a look at it, see what they've been doing, what they've been working on. Um, I think the Bible Project is connected to the Filament Bible. Now, if you don't know the Filament Bible, you buy a Bible. Uh, it's called the fil- a Filament Bible. At the very beginning, there's a little like uh, a little symbol at the beginning, and you take your phone or your iPad and you you turn on the camera and you point at that symbol, and it opens up this thing called basically the Filament app, which then gives you commentary and video and notes and just all. It's like instead of having a study Bible where all of the content is there in the Bible. They just give you the Bible, but then that little symbol on any page, you go to any page, you take your your phone or, or, or iPad, you point at the little symbol, and it will open up the notes and videos that are relevant to that passage of scripture. So you could go to Matthew 24. In fact, it was from the filament Bible uh, that, I, that I posted uh, in the Discord channel. That screenshot is from the filament Bible. So you just go to the little symbol, and it opens up, commentary notes. And I think the Bible project videos are a part, a part of that. I don't have my filament Bible here. I have it at the church. So I can't uh, open it up right now to verify um, if the Bible project videos are a part of it currently. But, uh, but I've, I've watched Bible project videos. And if you've never watched them, I would definitely challenge you to go look at what they're doing and you can determine the value of them. And you could determine, are they, are they Challenging you to read the Bible differently than you were originally taught—that's what I want to get to. I, because the whole the whole hook here for their introduction was, "Hey, many Christians are reading the Bible the wrong way," and it's uh, the answer appears to be the Bible Project. So is the Bible Project promoting a new way to read it? That's that's what we want to get to. Let's see if if they offer any insight here.
2: Well, I have a number of questions, but I think before I get into those, I want to explain to people who are listening to this, what I was kind of just telling Mike before we started, which is why I'm interested in the first place. This is a podcast that started out uh, five, four or five years ago, uh, focused on politics. What I was explaining to Mike is that uh, I'm seeing more and more over the last few years, you know, polarization is a big problem in politics, right? Um, people not seeing the world in the same way, not even seeing the same facts, etc. We all are familiar with that. And it's getting worse, you know, it's not getting better. Um, people are increasingly distrustful of uh, institutions of and, and of each other. Um, and as I'm seeing this breakdown in the public sphere, in our ability to communicate with each other, does call to to mind in some ways, actually the biblical story of the Tower of Babel. Um, yep. But I, I'm increasingly seeing as a way of uh, potentially the only way of addressing these issues as epistemological, which is how we know what we know, uh, the study yep. of knowledge. And so that's why I've talked about uh, Jonathan Rauch and, and some others, uh, the Bible, pro- uh, Christians and the vaccine. Curtis Chang talks about this uh, a decent amount. Um, and so the Bible project, I think, is important because it's addressing uh, the epistemology in a way uh, through the ver- of, of a lot of Americans uh, through the lens of what we would call hermeneutics. Right, Mike, is that yeah. basically yeah, that's, correct?
0: Yeah, that's, that's accurate for sure.
2: OK, so yeah. so this is kind of the the general context for my interest. Um, I was also raised evangelical, um, and so I know firsthand how much of a role the Bible plays in the Christian's view of the world, and in particular the Evangelicals' view of the world, it's really, really foundational. Can you talk about the way that it um, forms uh, the way that Christians view reality?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess at least we 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 say that it does. I don't know how much it actually does, um, you know, but I think that we. If I didn't grow up in the church, but I do know that when I um, did you know, kind of decide to kind of join this this movement or whatever you want to call it and join the, join the church um, or at least become a Christian, uh, I definitely was told like the Bible is the way that we understand the way the world is supposed to work, the way that it does work, you know, the ebbs and flows of what it means to, you know, um, fail and then be picked up and and brought along through community and and some form of discipleship and personal growth all that kind of stuff the bible was you know uh not for the pun like the bible was the bible the bible was the uh the thing that we would go to for all of that so understanding what the bible said uh becomes pretty important if you are saying that i want to be a follower of jesus and inside of this um, inside of this faith paradigm i
1: think this is very important as Christians, I will say absolutely dogmatically, the way I understand the world is through scripture. Scripture is how I understand the world, scripture is how I understand myself, scripture is how I understand God, scripture is how I understand morality, scripture is how I understand purpose, joy, love, everything is to be shaped by the Bible. So I agree that my that as Christians, we look at the world through the Bible. Now, is the issue, now is the question is, okay, if we understand the world through the Bible, then how we read it have big implications because you could have millions of Christians looking at the world the wrong way if they're reading the Bible incorrectly that would be important so so then is there in other words hey christians if you're going to understand the world correctly not only do you need the bible you must read the bible correctly well what is the correct way to read it that i understand the world correctly okay i i i think i see where they're going but it's absolutely true now i i i, th- <laughs> I find it funny that the person who's working with the bible projects like well I don't know how much it's, it's actually impacts our view of the world because I call it into question all the time. I hear Christians talk constantly about things and you just have to go, wait, what is, is that a biblical way of thinking? I mean, you know, you just, just get around a group of Christians and let them start talking about things going on in the world. And you'll have to really question, does the Bible really formulate their way of thinking? Do Christians really see the world via the Bible, through the lens of Scripture? Do Christians really see the world that way? I I call that into question, one, because we just have too many statistics showing Christians don't typically read the Bible on a regular and consistent basis. They don't study. So, I mean, a Christian is not going to see the world from a biblical perspective if they're not living and breathing the Scriptures. I think in theory, we say we do, but in practice— I'm not so sure. So I find it funny that the, uh, the guy from Yahoo News is kind of like, you know, hey, that's the way Christians understand the world. And the guy from the Bible Project's like, well, I don't know how much it actually does that. that I just find that somewhat. So Yahoo News is like Christians understand the world from the Bible and the Bible Project's like, well, in theory. <laughs> so that I think anyone who's been in church and been around Christians, you realize how little they actually read, how much they actually, you realize how little they study, how little they read, how little, how little time they spend listening to sermons. And I think you begin, become very skeptical. And then when you see the thing many Christians say and believe and do, and when they talk about society, I think, yeah, I, I, I do believe that. I, at least I'm a little skeptical about that as well. But in theory, Here's the Bible. That's the lens in which I view the world. My understanding of the world comes from Scripture. Now, if that requires a correct reading of Scripture, therefore to have a correct understanding of the world, then the question remains, what is the right way to read it? Let's see what they say here.
0: Um, And then, but the hard thing is the Bible's really wacky. It's like a really crazy it's, it's multiple books. It's not just one book. It's multiple authors. It's not just one author. Um, and yet it, it weaves together this incredible narrative from the beginning to the end that, um, if you don't know how to read it, you wouldn't catch it or you wouldn't, or you just stop at like, you know, where it gets really weird. Cause there's just some crazy stuff out there. And, um, and so I think for me, the reason I've loved what the Bible project is doing is, I was one of the, like, I feel like we make the videos for me. I was one of those guys that had, like, a hard time, you know, going, I don't understand what the story of Abram has to do with me right now. Like, that just doesn't, or animal sacrifice, or all the things that you see in the Bible that are just like, I'm just going to skip over that because it doesn't make any sense to me.
1: All right, now, I do like the fact that he's very open and honest. There's, yeah, there's some wacky stuff in the Bible. There's some wacky stuff. Now, I get a little nervous because... It seems like he's almost putting forth a philosophy that everything in there, what does it have to say to me? What does it mean about, what is it, what what do I, why do I need to know it? And make sure we understand just, it may not be about you. It may not even be for you, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't know it because it's in the word of God, which we believe all Scripture is given by God by inspiration, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, so that the, uh, an instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. I, I it it is still profitable, it is still beneficial, it's still needful. It may not be directly related to me, so because sometimes it's a historical narrative, it may be here's what they did, and there may not be a direct implication to me. So I I, I don't I always get nervous when it feels like. So we've got to read the Bible to figure out what it means to me. What? No, I need to figure out what the Bible means by what it says to the people it was originally written to. But let's see if—I'm just a little uh, okay. we'll just see where they're going to go. I I always get a little nervous, but we've got to let them flesh this out here.
0: Um, And what the Bible Project is trying to do and help do— Christians and non-Christians, just anybody that wants to have an understanding of what the Bible actually says in the context that it was written, yeah. that was our hope. And we believe that um you know, if people had a unified understanding of the Bible, there would actually be more unity even inside the church. Cuz it's not just you know, Christians against other folks. It's man, we're divided in our own, you know this if you grew up evangelical like we're we're divided in our own our in our own camps. And now
1: This is hilarious to me, but it also is maddening and frustrating and depressing, okay? First, I just want you to think about this. This is the Bible Project. This is a parachurch organization, a parachurch ministry seeking to give everyone a unified understanding of the Bible. It's a it's an outside of the church organization <laughs> attempting to do this because the implication is, look at Christians. They're not unified in how to read it. They can't even agree on how to read it. So the church can't come to an agreement in how to read it. Then let's let us, this this. Outside of the church organization, the Bible Project, will hire teams of people, we'll create videos to give people a unified way of reading the Bible, because clearly the church in 2,000 years can't figure out how to do that. Now, there's nothing more disheartening than 2,000 years of Christian history, and the church cannot figure out a unified way to read the Bible. That is maddening. That is irritating. That is, it makes me angry. At the same time, it's almost hilarious. Hey, hey, church, you've had your chance. You've had 2,000 years. You people are garbage when it comes to this. So, hey, let us take over. We'll hire teams of people in all kinds of different countries, and we're going to help develop a unified way of reading the Bible since the church cannot. And it has to, all of us as Christians, we have to ask ourselves, why can't we come up with a unified way of reading it? Now, I'm not seeing the Bible Project has accomplished what they set out to accomplish. I just find it interesting that it's an attempt is being made to accomplish this in a sense outside of the church. Every time you see a parachurch ministry, every time you see a parachurch ministry, meaning it's a ministry outside of the church, I, I think you can almost always say the reason it exists is because the church failed. If the church was doing its job, you wouldn't need this parachurch ministry. So, why has the church failed so horribly in this? Why? Well, let's just see where they go.
0: And uh, and so, I believe after having a better understanding of the Bible through some of the work of the Bible Project that not only is it a unified story that leads to Jesus, but it's a unifying story, and it can be. And it doesn't have to be this divisive um, text in that way, if, if we understand it the way that it was originally intended to be understood.
1: I should also mention... Uh... So the implication there is the reason we're so divided is because we don't correctly understand the story. So it's our incorrect understanding of the text... That has led to the division, and if we could get past our incorrect understanding, there would be unity. I don't think it's that simple. I don't think it's that simple. I think the issue is, um, I don't think it's because we misunderstand the story. I think it's because we can't agree on the way to read it and the way to interpret it. I don't think it's the story that divides. It's our way of reading it that divides because everyone has their own way, their own method, their own approach. And sometimes you're just baffled. Like, wait, wait, what do we just like, sometimes I'll be disagreeing with someone and, I'm, I'm, and I have to stop and go, what do we even like, how can there be a disagreement here? Like, Sometimes I'm just looking like, what? What I'll never forget. <laughs> because in my church, we, we we're very much free to kind of communicate with one another. I try to make it very open, which sometimes is good, sometimes it's bad. Um, but because we're a small church, it's more like family. So we have a little bit more freedom, which I like because I try to get the people involved, but I'll never forget this time, where a basically a disagreement broke out over the word forever. <laughs> It was the most maddening thing. I'm like, forever. And two of us were like, forever means forever. And two people were like, no, forever doesn't have to mean forever because Jesus came. And you're like, wait, what are we talking? What? What just we can't agree on the definition of forever. So we looked it up in the Hebrew and it was like, it means forever. We looked it up in the Greek. It means, and the, still there was disagreement. I'm like, so the word is forever. It means forever, but someone is telling me that it doesn't mean forever. And I'm like, what in the world has happened here? But some sometimes it is. Sometimes you just have to go. I don't understand. Like, see, it's not that the story is breaks down unity. It's the sinful men reading said story. And completely different ways, using completely different methods of interpretation, that would be my issue here. So, all right, I still want to know what is the right way to read it. that's, That's as far as we're going to go. So I know you're looking at the time going, there's no way you're going to finish this. I know. I'm going to leave plenty of this for you to go look up and listen to for yourself. I like to do that to get people to go listen to it. But I do want to try to get us to where they say, here's the right way and here's the wrong way. And hopefully we can get to that before our time is up. Let's let's see what we can find.
2: You guys have 3 million subscribers on YouTube. Are there any
1: other metrics that are worth mentioning? 3 million subscribers on YouTube. That's a lot. That's a lot. 3 million. Now, I would be fascinated to know the demographics and the breakdown of those 3 million, right? How many are women? Uh, I'd be interesting. How many are women versus how many are men? My guess is it's more women than men. That's just my guess. Again, I, I've said it so many times. It's women who'll do Bible study methods. It's women. I, I, oh, now I'm not saying there, there there aren't any men. I'm saying men are typically outnumbered by the women who are actively people are actively reading, studying, notebooks. Actually, now now that I, I always subtract from that number the men who are who. Are, training for ministry, obviously that's different. I'm saying your average lay people, it's the women who've got the notebooks, the reading, the studying. So I I bet you, I would be interesting. I bet you that 3 million is more women. I could be wrong. It would be also interested out of that 3 million, how many do not, do not attend church or not even a member of a church. I wonder if the majority of people are people who don't even go to church and the majority of the people who attend church don't subscribe to the Bible Project or watch the videos because they're, they're watching stuff on Netflix or doing something else. I'm just asking, I'm just, I'm just asking, 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 right? I mean, you take the millions of people who go to church and you look at the number of people who listen to sermons on, say, sermons 2.0, or how many people listen to podcasts on the Edify Christian podcast app clearly the majority of church going people are not listening to sermons and not listening to Christian podcast I mean that's just I've always said that that's just a fact that's just a fact I'm like right now I mean I'm just going to open up the uh I'm going to open up the Sermons 2.0 app right now okay Sermons 2.0 app there's four live broadcasts going on right now okay I'm going to I'm going to just show you right okay uh, the church at Pecan Creek, thirty-two people are are watching or listening. Emmanuel Baptist Church, twelve. Blessed Hope Bible Presbyterian, one. Theology Central, three. Now we have people listening in other ways, but I'm just saying that's very small numbers considering the millions of people who go to church. I I, I would just be curious if the three million people subscribe to the Bible Project YouTube channel. I wonder how many are women and how many don't even go to church that that would be interesting to see but okay let, let's continue
0: Along those lines i mean yeah i mean so we yeah we we probably have um you know half a million views a day that pop up on on youtube between our different languages over 50 percent of the the views do come from outside the u.s um oh. uh, which is pretty wild mm-hmm. um
1: now, that's interesting. Over 50% of their views do not come from within the United States of America. It comes from outside of the United States of America. Now, for this podcast, well over 80% of ours comes from inside the United States of America, but that that's somewhat interesting. That That's you know what, what? What are what are people doing in? in it, what are Christians doing inside the United States of America? What are Christians doing to grow in their understanding of the Bible and theology and doctrine and church history? Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I still want to know if they're going to give us the correct way to read it. Here we go.
0: And um, yeah, I mean, we got other like Instagram and our own website and our own kind of channels and all that kind of stuff, but. I mean, I think I think the the subscribers is probably exactly. the the main way.
2: One of the one of the things that I think people who are not from the world of of uh, Christianity or or conservative evangelicalism, one of the things I think it's hard to grasp is the way that because you're you know, in in ways that I think we'll talk about in a, in a minute, um, you know, you're kind of embedded if you're raised in this world especially in a context where from a very young age uh you're taught to view the bible a certain way right and 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 that's it's not just the bible there's a lot of things and this is true of any culture you're viewed you're taught to view things a certain way but there's two like examples from my own life that i think illustrate this yeah um it was probably six seven eight years ago i came across something called bibliotheca you guys must be familiar with that, right? Yeah. It was like this really uh, well-crafted project that started as like a GoFundMe project, yeah. Um, by a guy whose name I don't even remember, but he put out this beautiful video about uh, how they wanted to kind of just make this uh, this scriptural text that was broken up into a few volumes. It was this all the same books of the Bible, but broke up into volumes, and, yep, and and. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of caretaking and the paper used and the binding. Um, yep. but, but the thing that kind of took a while for me to grasp was that there were no verses in yes. the Bible. Yes. And so it wasn't until I was reading through Mark Knoll's book. I think this is where I realized this because he talks about how there were no verses in the Bible until like about no 500 verse, years no ago.
0: Verses, right.
2: And so that is a key part of like how people have begun to turn the Bible into a proof texting vehicle, uh, where they then go.
1: Okay. Now (laughs) anyone who goes to church, I would think knows that originally the Bible did not have verses. Right. I don't, I don't, do you have to release some new project? And, and so therefore he says, so as a result of these verses, the Bible becomes basically a source of proof texting. Well, I think there, there is a danger of that, that we've talked a lot about all the problems with the Bible being broken down into chapters and verses. There are problems with it. There's no question about it, right? Because we read it a certain way. And so what we have a tendency to do is we just grab a verse, right? Oh, there's an earthquake. Well, in Matthew 24, it talks about the signs being uh, earthquakes. Well, see, that has to be a proof that Jesus is coming back. Whoa, 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 whoa. Just because there's chapters and verses, we've got to stop making excuses that the chapters and verses are the thing that creates the problem. The thing that creates the problem is that people seem unwilling to, to go and read that verse in the context of the chapter or the book in which it was found. They just immediately just grab it. I understand verses lead to that, but it's got to stop being made like, you know, did you know that the Bible didn't originally have verses and chapters? Whoa, I didn't know this. I, I Now, I understand a new Christian wouldn't understand that. But if you've been in church in any length of time— I mean, I've heard countless sermons where pastors point that out. So I don't want—I don't want this to be in any way. If they're implying in any way, shape, or form that this is some like deep, dark secret kept from the average person going to church, that is complete misrepresentation. Because I've mentioned it from the pulpit hundreds of times. I don't. I don't know exact numbers, so I'll just use hyperbole. Bazillions of times I've talked about it in podcasts and in sermons because everyone should know that. I mean, I think what everyone would know that the fact that the chapters and verses are there are great because it makes it easy to look things up. It's bad because it can break up the way we study the chapter or the text. So that's why we have to do things like a chapter summary method. Where we take what all the verses and we put them in the context of an actual chapter. That's why we learn these observational methods. But okay, let, let's see here. So is he saying one of the wrong ways to read the Bible is to read it with too much emphasis on chapter and verse division? Okay, maybe. I, I don't know. He, he he that's the that was the hook he gave us. They still haven't gotten to that. I'm hoping they get to it soon because we're about to run out of time.
2: And find verses to kind of you know fit the moment or fit the need of the moment in that's a way right. that's sort of ripped out of context of the entire scripture that's right um, and i didn't realize that that was contrary to historical christianity that was what was so amazing to me
0: yeah um, i mean an example is the letters you know written in the new testament from paul and peter and and anyone else is you know those were really read in one sitting the entire letter like if, if you've been to church, when was the last time that was ever done? And yet that those we often just take a verse or take a even a chapter, what we call chapters. But again, those it was a letter. It was one letter, you know, and it would be the weirdest thing that if, if I wrote you a letter and you just decided to just take one sentence out of it and use that as the like, you know, it, completely out of context. Um, and that's the way that we often approach the Bible. That's the way we read it, you know, is is very much not in the context of things which is a huge part of of why we do what we do for sure
1: now i completely agree that yes especially in the new testament these are letters yes i agree that they were meant to be read, read typically in one setting i understand that that is completely true um i don't know you know i don't know if somebody would want to come to church and sit there and listen to me read 16 chapters of the book of romans I don't know how well that would work. I do agree that in our teaching and preaching, we grab part of the letter and then we break that part down. There is danger in that, no question about it. That's why in our preaching and teaching, we have to do everything we can to constantly put it in context, constantly put it in context. So a wrong way of reading if we if we're, we're going if we're if we're going to i'm just going to try to do their job for them uh, the wrong way of reading the bible would be overemphasizing chapter and verse div- uh, divisions um, at the expense of context number 2 would be reading it ignoring context right so i can overemphasize chapter and verse divisions so by doing that i overemphasize so that we miss the context and number 2 is then ignoring the context are or, or just allowing the context to be forgotten. However, you want to break it down, but it's uh, we we overemphasize we overemphasize chapter and verse divisions, so that makes us miss the context. And number two, we ignore the context and our teaching and preaching of the Bible. We overemphasize the chapter division, and we end up ignoring context. Yeah, that's the wrong way to read it. I completely one hundred percent agree with that. But Christianity, there's been countless I mean that is a constant battle within the church Christians have fought against doing those things so I don't think that it, it just seems weird that this is there like here here's see this shows you how Christians have been getting it wrong pastors and and seminaries and Bible colleges and ministries have been fighting against uh, doing that forever so I, I all right I, I'm waiting for something else about how we get it
0: wrong it's a great and, point
1: and you have these videos right now, but you also, Tim
2: Mackey, and uh, what is John's last name? Sorry, I should know John Collins.
0: That. No, that's right. Yeah, John Collins.
2: John Collins. They're doing a, they have a podcast as well. They're doing a series actually right now uh, where they're going through the question basically of what is the Bible and what is it not? Now, I want to get to that question right now because it's, it's an important one. You know, many Christians... Uh, and, and the Bible Project is kind of trying to address this, but are trained in a particular way of reading the Bible as a book that, tr- and, and they're trained to to treat the Bible as a rule book uh, and a few other things. But it's basically, you know, something that's static, uh, a rule book, or um, you know, an, a, a, a glossary of answers. And right. I guess my question would be, rather than what I know, the podcast is kind of answering this. But how would you answer that? How would you fill in that blank uh, for what the Bible is, rather than what it is not?
0: Well, I mean, it's a it's a it's a story. It's poetry. It's it's narrative. Um, there is some like factual things around. Um, uh, it's all factual, but like, like more like a, a glossary of like, like kings or like, you know, you're getting very much like there was this king that served from this time to this time, like, you've got some that is just facts, you've got some that is narrative. I almost think of it as like, um you're, well, you're a news guy. I mean, it's like the newspaper, you don't read every single section in the newspaper the same way. You don't read the comics the same way you read the cover story and the narrative the same way you read the obituaries, the same, you read it differently depending on what section you're in or sports or whatever. And I would say that the Bible is very similar. Like it's, it's a collection of things. There's, there's Hebrew poetry in there that is meant to be, you know, allegorical and, and descriptive, not necessarily like this, like, you know, description of a time of events. And so you have to understand, and this is what's hard is me and you don't speak Hebrew, you know, or maybe you do. I don't know. I don't know if you do, but I don't. Um, Definitely not, no. And so, you know, we rely on, on folks like Tim and others that do speak Hebrew to hopefully be able to understand the context in which these things were written. But...
1: Now, see, this is where I get a little irritated because the whole idea is that, hey... Christians are divided because they don't read the story the right way. And if they would read the story the right way, then it would be unity. But then the minute you go into well some of it is Hebrew poetry, which is to be understood allegorical. Okay. Now you get fit, you get a bunch of well-meaning Christians who may be very well studied in hermeneutics and they may go, "Well, is this Hebrew poetry or is this not Hebrew Hebrew poetry?" Some will say yes, some will say no. Say, so, "Well, it is Hebrew poetry." So how allegorical do I go with this? And there's going to be disagreement on that. The key is in many parts of these things, there's going to be disagreement because we can't agree on exactly the rule and how the rule should be applied to a specific text or the identification of a specific text as a specific genre. So it's not so like, hey, if Christians would start just read this right, then everybody would be unified. I... No, we, we we can't be unified. We still don't even agree necessarily on the rules and principles. So they still haven't really told us how we are. Re- re- I, it's almost like the implication is we read it wrong because we ignore context. We don't understand that, there's, uh, that the chapters and verses were not in the original. And oh, by the way, I, it sounds like there's almost that we read it too literally. I, it, it sounds like that's kind of where they're going. I could be wrong, but I'm telling you, You get a bunch of Christians together who don't read it literally. You're going to tell me there's going to be agreement. That's, that's a joke. The more, I will say the more allegorical or the less literal you take it, the more options you have in interpreting it. (laughs) Because you can almost make it say anything. So I, I don't think that that would fix the problem.
0: Um, yeah, man, I I it's not though it's not it's a collection of things. It's not any just one thing. Um and that is a big paradigm shift for myself and for for others, where you know, I've looked at it as as this grab bag of like, I'm feeling depressed. I need some like, Mm -hmm. you know, I need something to kind of lift me up. I'm I need some answers in this. Let's go to the I mean you hear that all the time, go to the Bible, go to the Bible. But if you don't know how to go to the Bible, then you're just gonna be grabbing these little like grab bag things as opposed to, you know. I'm not saying don't go to the Bible, but I want to read a whole narrative and understand like, for me, and again, I don't know your audience, you know, maybe faith or not, not faith um, uh, friendly or forward or whatever. Um, For me, when I'm depressed, I sometimes go to the entire narrative of somebody to go, wow, he really went or she really went through it. And here's how God showed up. And do I believe that God might show up in certain ways through my community and through my friends? And maybe, wow, David really leaned on his community to kind of get through this. Maybe I should lean on my community. It's not this like grab this verse and go do this thing, but it's really, it's a, it's a man, it's an incredible, if you haven't read it, it's an incredible narrative of the human experience, you know, and it's got all the stuff in there. Like it's got all the bad and all the good, and I can identify with it when when I look at it in that way.
2: You know, I just thought of a of another anecdote that I think further illustrates the way that uh, you're tra- you're trained to read the Bible. I was reading Psalm nine uh, a day or two ago, uh, as part of something that I highly recommend called the the Prayer Project, um, yeah. which is run by Grace Mosaic Church here in D.C.
0: Yeah,
2: um, they do a, a a liturgy, a lectionary uh, that's um, put out six times a year according to the um, the church calendar, um, and uh, and I'm not pretending as if I do it all the time, uh, but I was doing it the other day. And uh, there was this verse in Psalm 9, I believe, where this, the, the writer of the Psalm says, I'm, I'm going to be the first, you know, and I can't remember exactly what it was. It was like, I'm going to be the first in the street, like talking about you, God, or like holding a street rally or something. Yep. And there was this part of me from my upbringing that was like, uh oh, should I be doing that? You know, because like you're you're taught to think that everything you read is an instruction to you right then, right there.
0: Right. And but we don't address is that same dude that wrote that psalm is the guy that was like cheating on his wife and sleeping with another dude and like killed the gal's husband, you know, so that he could marry her. I mean, you just so if we're to follow if we're supposed to go like everything that the bible all the characters do we should do then man we're going to be a mess like that's just not you know so i think that's the beauty of of the bible or at least of these different books is you've got in one you know psalm you've got him saying i'm going to go out and you know say your name and talk of the coming kingdom and all that kind of stuff and in the next one you've got him going like where the heck are you god like I'm in a cave right now and I've got my enemies are around me and you're nowhere to be seen. Like you've got someone who's mad at God and actually voicing that. And, and yet, you know, we don't talk about that.
1: So it seems that what they're saying that the problem is, is a lot of Christians don't know how to read the Bible in a sense of understanding who it was written to, what what is descriptive versus what is prescriptive. These are some basic rules that we've talked about over and over and over and over and over and over over again. So my, I guess my confusion is, so Yahoo News and a parachurch ministry has to get together to tell the church, hey, when you're, don't tell your people, just rip a verse out of Psalm 9, help them understand that, wait a minute, this is poetry. This is descriptive. This may not be prescriptive, like, and, and I would hope everyone in the church would know that, yeah, David did these horrible things, and yet God used him to write the Psalms. I uh, Not all of the Psalms, but many of the Psalms. I agree. Solomon did all kinds of horrible things, was used to write books in the Bible. Yeah, sometimes I think Christians forget that. But nothing he's saying here is like revolutionary, like, ooh, you know, this Bible project, they, they, they realize that there's a right way to read the Bible, and no one else has figured it out. It's just a... It's disingenuous. These are basic principles that every Christian should know. Every, if Christians are not learning this in their church, we've got major problems on our hands, right? We And I guess the fact that the Bible Project is there trying to help people figure these concepts out, is it an indication that the church has failed? But I'm going to stop there. There's... 22 minutes left. I would challenge you. In fact, I'm going to look this up really quick so that I can help you find this easily. If you go, I'm going to go to Google really quick. And we're just going to try this really quick. I'm going to check here. All right. I'm going to go to Google. Make sure I don't have any YouTube comments coming in. If you type in, let's see here. I'm going to just copy and paste this. The way... Christians read the Bible has big implications. I'm just going to go to Google, type that in. The way Christians read the Bible has big implications. And you should immediately be able to find the podcast. You should be able to find it immediately. It should not take you it, it, it should not take you more than a second to find it. The very first thing that comes up is from Odyssey. .com, the long game. So you're going to be able to find it and you can listen to it. All you have to do is fast forward it to 22 minutes and 22 seconds, and then you can listen to the rest. And then you can let me know what you think. It's just, I just really thought, hey, I thought originally that they were going to say that it, there's negative. Well, I guess in some ways it kind of implying there's negative implications and trying to say that the Christians read it wrong. But all of the the things that they've talked about is, hey, there's chapter divisions. Don't ignore context hey, you can't just open the Bible and just grab a verse and apply it or do whatever it says. you got to understand who it's talking to. Not everything there is prescriptive. Some things is descriptive. Hey, you do know that some of the people saying these things were really bad people who did really bad things. Like, none of that is shocking, surprising, revolutionary. These are basic Christianity 101 issues. Maybe for Yahoo News, this is like revolutionary stuff, and maybe the person in Yahoo News grew up in a church that did not teach him any of this. Maybe what we're learning here is that the church has so failed to do its job in equipping and training people how to read the Bible that people have to look to Yahoo News to try to fix it. That would be majorly messed up. But at the same time, I have to be a little kind of, I got to be a little blunt to the average Christian because I hear it all the time. Christians, will uh, they love to run to this excuse. Like when they get put in a corner and they don't know how to understand something, they don't know how to read something, and they're confused. They'll be like, well, no one ever taught me. That's the go-to, like, no one ever taught me. I want to make sure you understand. It's 2022 for crying out loud. Can we put that excuse to bed? You, in the palm of your hands, on your phone, you have, just just take sermons 2.0, hundreds of thousands of sermons, seminary lectures. You've got everything. You've you've got it all right there. The Edify Christian Podcast app, over 2 million Christian podcasts, sermon.net. I don't even know how many thousands, maybe millions of sermons available there. Uh, iTunes U, you've got universities, you've got seminaries, you've got Bible colleges, you've got You've got so much available to you. There's no excuse that you cannot figure out how to do things and learn things because all the information is there. The average Christian doesn't want to take the time to learn these things, but love the get out of jail free card saying no one taught me. At some point, we got to stop with that. But the church, I will agree the church has failed in general, but in reality, that all of the content is available to anyone and everyone. So, There you go. I would like, again, I would challenge you to go look for it. Just type in in uh, in your Google search bar, the way Christians read the Bible has big implications. Hit play, fast forward it to about 22 minutes, and you can listen to the rest. If you find something there that you think is just, whoa, that that was amazing. Let me know what you find because, uh, yeah. That everything they pointed out there, I mean, we've we've dealt with a million different ways. I just thought it was interesting. I was going to listen to it, so now we listen to it together, and uh, we're an hour and eight minutes. So even when, <laughs> no matter what we do, we always go over an hour. So I'll stop. You can email me your thoughts, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. And, uh, well, I'm just going to stop right there. Everyone have a great day. God bless.